What a blessing it is to be able to come stand in front of you today and uh, fill in for Brother Lot. Uh, there's a lot that I could say about that, but I'm not going to say it at this time. But I want to thank every one of you for coming out this morning uh, on a cold, crisp, beautiful morning. I hope all of you have prepared uh, for this past winter storm and got through it okay. Uh, I probably didn't do what I supposed to have done, but I've done the best I knew what to do. So I want to thank all of you for uh, coming out this morning and being a part of this, and uh, what a blessing it is again. Uh, I feel the presence of God. It is so heavy in here. I want to thank this praise team for coming out each Sunday and setting the stage for whoever it is on this stage preaching or pastoring. Uh, we look forward every Sunday to coming in here and hearing what you guys are, are, are singing. And, uh, and it, it sets a stage where the anointing of God comes in and, uh, and, and, and gets this thing started. And um, each week, the message that is being displayed through these songs, I'll never forget when, when God got a hold to me or, or I got a hold of him or ever how it worked, that it was through a song, and it was about in 2017, it was at a rehabilitation center way off in uh, Van Cleve, Mississippi, and I believe it was Fears a Liar, somewhere in there, and uh, I realized then that I'd been lied to most all of my life about who I was, and uh, I'm not going to get into all of that, but... Uh, Thank you, praise team. The Bible says in Psalms, let get this started. The Bible says in Psalms 145, he said, I will extol you. That means praise enthusiastically. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. And verse 3 says this, great is the Lord and he is greatly to be praised. So again, I want to tell all of you guys, the praise team and everybody that shows up here on Sunday mornings, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being a part of such a great church. And it's good to come in and see all the ones, the greeting and the uh, smiles on your faces and being a part of all the Sunday school classes and all this stuff. I've been blessed to be asked to be a part of one of them and I can't wait. And um, since I've been connected to this church a short three years ago, it's just been unbelievable what God has done for me. All the doors that he's opened, all the ministries that I've been involved in. But I just want to again thank you, church, for allowing me to do this. I also want to thank Brother Lott. I know he don't typically like anybody to, uh, to give him a pat on the back. But I was always told to give credit where credit's due. I first met Brother Lott. Probably in 97 or 98, 1997 or 98. I seen something in the man then that, that just truly inspired me, but I was so far from God and had nothing to do with God that it didn't really get my attention. But the seed was planted. 1999, Brother Lot stood on a stage and married me and my wife. And in 1999, I didn't realize it then, but that was when I was in a wilderness and I was so deep in this wilderness that I was just completely a lost man looking for a new way of living. So in 99, when Brother Lot married me and my wife, all the way up until then, you know, it was through the marriage 
counseling that he came to our little trailer and did and uh, not knowing. Thank you, family. Thank you, friends, for, for coming and being a part of this. What a blessing it is. Well, he married me and my wife in 99 and, and, and through all the marriage counselings and all this kind of stuff, and I never forget, he ate spaghetti every week that he came and visited. And uh, I'd always call him and say, Brother, what would you like to eat? He said, Hey, cook that spaghetti again. Okay, I got you. Simple man. A very simple man that I love so much. But those few moments that I got to spend with him, he was consistently planting seeds in me, letting me know that you're going to be all right, brother. Hang in there. So I'd often go to things and see things when me and my wife were getting a pretty rocky spot in our life. We'd come back to Brother Lot and he'd, in a brief instant, let us know that, well, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Are you still reaching over and touching your wife every night before you go to sleep? I really don't. I ain't doing all that. So he's reminding me of all the things that he told us in that marriage class. But yet I hadn't yet come to this church. Long story short, 20 years in the wilderness. And here I am back with Brother Lot. I want to thank Brother Lot for being so obedient over all these years. Not only to everybody that he ever comes across, but being obedient to God. Being obedient to this church. Back when it was on Bank Street, when me and my wife first started going and going out to Harperville and hanging out with him at his house and shooting basketball with him, he was a very good basketball player also. But back all of the being obedient, being consistent, following God and following God's direction. I just truly want to thank Brother Lot for believing in me when nobody else did during that time. And the reason I know that, because when I would stumble across him, he would always remind me just that fast. He didn't go to small talk. He'd always say, you're going to be okay, Bubba. Everything. Thank you, Brother Lot, for your obedience. Thank you for standing upright in this pulpit through sickness. We've seen him up here sick from time to time, and he, he's just a firm, strong man, being the leader that he is, the shepherd of this great flock that has grown to where it's grown. So, Brother Lot, as I stand up here today, I want to thank you for allowing me to stand in a pulpit that I know, I know that you don't take lightly that you don't take lightly. So as I got all these thank yous by, I'm as nervous as a leaf on a tree. I want you to know that. This morning, this morning when I got up early, and I've been thinking about this from the moment I got the call, and I got the call, and I was like, oh, man, I just don't know if I can handle this. And uh, wasn't much said. It's okay. I got it. So I began to pray, and I began to ask God. I said, God, what, what, what would you have me speak about? this Sunday morning, and he's been dealing with me, and he's been dealing with me. So as I got up this morning, and I got it all laid out, and I thought I've done all the preparing that I've done. I hope I do this right, Brother Randy, Brother Kenneth. You got my back. I asked all these guys, I said, y'all please come support me, because I need your help. These guys have been around me now for quite some time, and, and uh, when I'm around these guys, they really help me. They really help me get started. When I feel them here around me, it just helps me with my presence. It helps me with my voice and trusting God's going to speak through me. So as I got here this morning, I'm dealing with God. Brother Jim met me, and I, I'm out there in the lobby, and I'm like, Lord, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And Brother Jim said, you got this. Well, I looked at my phone, and my wife had sent me a text. My wife said, hey, Bubba, I love you. You got this, 
and everything is going to be okay. Confirmation. I said, I got this. I went up and I sat and I got in a long place, but everybody I come across prayed for me. So I know one thing. God's got a hold to this, and we're going to take off and run with this, and I'm going to do the best I can do with this. And as we get started, if you would, you just bear with me. And uh, I want to speak on a subject today. Brother Lot's been preaching on believing, belonging, and becoming. He's got one more service, and that's becoming. I can't preach that service. I can't, I'm not even a preacher, but I can't even talk about becoming. But I know this believing and belonging is some pretty powerful stuff. And I thank God for him believing in me in this church and believing God is going to put us in the right path to do all the big stuff, this great harvest that he keeps talking about. And I'm so excited to be a part. So the subject I want to speak on today is, uh, are you ready? Are you ready? As a church and a church family, are you truly ready to do what God's asked you to do? Are you truly ready to get involved in all the things that we know we should get involved in? Are you truly preparing yourself for what's next? We all know all about life, and we've been through life, and we went through some ups and downs in life, but there's a lot of times in our life we don't feel like we're ready for what's next. God, I don't know if I'm truly prepared for what's to come. So there's a story in the Bible that I, I, I don't want to pull up, but I want to talk about just briefly. It's 2 Kings chapter 3. This is the king of Judah, the king of Israel, and the king of Edom. These three kings were preparing an attack against the Moabites. It's a pretty serious story. So the question is, are you ready? I don't think these three kings were quite, quite ready for what they were about to encounter. So as they set sail to go and attack the Moabites, they found themselves seven days in the wilderness without anything to drink. With no water. All their men, all their livestock, everybody, they're without water for seven days. So they're desperate. So before they set sail, they wasn't ready for what they had in front of them. So they're in a pretty serious place at this time in their life. So they said, what do we do at this point? Surely there's a prophet around. Well, it was. That was Elisha with an S. So they called out to Elisha. On their behalf, Elisha called out to God. This is what God said. In this valley, Bill Joel spoke about the valley a while ago. In this valley, go and dig many ditches. So I'm asking you, church, are you ready? Are you truly ready? In this valley, go and dig many ditches. And God will fill them. In this valley, go and dig many ditches. And God will fill them. So I want to say this right here. 1 Peter 5 and 6 from the Amplified Version says this right here. If you, if you got it, you can write it down. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside all self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. 
It's up to us to dig the ditches. But the question is, do you think you're too good to get out and dig the ditches? Church, I want to ask you right now, there's a lot of things that we don't think that we should do. And if there was ever a pastor that I ever watched do anything, it's Brother Lot. Why? Because he's a serving pastor. He's a doing pastor. He said, hey, when I wanted to build something, somebody gave me a nail gun. I start building. When I knew there was tile to be laid, I went and somebody bought me a tile cutter. So I started laying tile. I figured it out. When there's a ditch to be dug, I'll dig it. But if you don't mind, help me. So what I'm trying to tell you is, let's get in the trenches, fellas. And let's start digging ditches. Church. We're asking God every day for the blessings. God, we need you. God says, what are you doing? The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. So we often mess that from time to time because God ain't much being given to me. God says, what are you doing? Are you truly doing what you know you should be doing? Are you giving me all you got? I often talk to my ministry that I do is typically rehab ministry. We just come back from a revival that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I like going to be around people that has no hope. I've been there. We're going to talk about this in the scripture. Well, I'm going to read in just a second. So here where it says, are you too good? Brother Lot said this Wednesday night, if you was not here, you messed it. Brother Lot said it this way. He says, I'm equal to everybody, but I'm less than nobody. He said that. So I got to thinking about it. You know, what, what do you mean? God is no respecter of person. If you think you're better than anybody, God says, no, 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 no. I love you all the same. But you all have a position. God's given us all a gift, and he's given us all a calling. A lot of times we try to force our, play, our way into places that we don't belong. We can't produce fruit in some areas in our life. We try to get ourselves in. God says, hey, I got you set for a certain place. You need to find that place. So listen to what he says. I'm equal to everybody. This is Brother Lot. I'm equal to everybody, but I'm lower than nobody. So today, folks, for text, I want to talk about two powerful men in the Bible. One some of you may not know much about. His name is Elijah with a J. He's very powerful. God prepares this man for the end of his time. And I want to speak a little bit about Jesus Christ and how he prepared for the cross. So if you would, go with me into your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19 and we'll start at verse 4. But before I read what I'm going to read, I want to prepare you for Elijah and what he did. And where he was in his life before he found himself right here in life. And a lot of you know, if you know anything about him, I have found myself right where I'm going to read in my life. But Elijah, in the beginning of his ministry, you find the first part of his story in 1 Kings chapter 17. It's the first time we've seen Elijah. There was a wicked king, Ahab, that had done trouble God in a bad way. So Elijah comes on the scene and... Uh, he says, there will be no more dew, no rain. He says, I'm going to stop everything. You're all going to get in a bad spot in your life. 
So as he presented the news and he stopped the rain, God spoke to Elijah and said, uh, hey, you need to go into the wilderness there by a brook. And he said, you stay there. And he said, what I'm going to do is I've commanded the ravens to come and feed you. So understand what God's saying. He said, if you'll go there, I will have something to take care of you while you're there. Don't worry about nothing. You'll have water and you'll have food. I got this. So as Elijah was obedient to God and God preparing him for what's next, he found himself, he found himself at that brook and it eventually went dry. So obviously he, his time there is done. So now the brook's dry. God speaks back to Elijah and says, hey, brother, there's a, a Shunammite woman. You need to go to her house, a widow woman, Zarephath. You need to go to this woman's house. I have commanded her. Now, this is a cool part of the story. Now, if you had never read this story and understood it, I have commanded this woman to feed you. So Elijah, again, done just what God asked him to do, and uh, he goes to Zarephath, and uh, there was a woman, and when he runs across this woman, she's gathering sticks. So Elijah looks at her and asks her a few questions, and uh, she gently looks at him and says, well, what I'm doing is I'm gathering these sticks so that I can prepare a meal for my son and myself, for we're going to die. So obviously this woman was in such a desperate place in her life, she had no more food, and she had no way to prepare. Later in the story, it says that she had one portion of flour, one portion of oil to make one meal. So here comes a man, a stranger, to her and says, I need you to cook me a meal. Just bring me a portion of bread. So she looks at Elijah and says, I don't even have enough to feed me and my son. And you're asking me to do something for you that I just don't feel like I need to do. Me and my son's fixing to die. You ever been that place in your life? That we're in a place right now that, that it just don't seem like we have enough of what we need to make it. So you can only imagine this woman, and she says, I'm fixing to go prepare this meal. She's picking up sticks to cook this last meal. So she goes off, and Elijah looks at her and says, just bring me my portion of bread. She sacrificed her last meal to give to Elijah. And that gave her an endless supply of oil and flour. And he let her know, if you'll do this for me, that one portion you think you got will turn into an endless portion. The Bible tells us out of him flows rivers of living water. His supply will never end. But why is it that when we get desperate, we feel like it's going to end? So when that part of that story is done, the woman is blessed, her son dies. Y'all know the story. So in that sense, she looks at Elijah and said, why have you brought this death upon me? It's just a tough place. He shows up, blesses them with a miraculous deal, and then her son dies. So Elijah at that time, Elijah is in a desperate situation. <laughs> What's he do? He says, God, this don't look right. So uh, you're going to have to do something right now. 
So he scoops the boy up, goes in the room, and the Bible tells us that he lays hands out, face down, face to face with the dead boy, and, and he does something three times. The boy comes back to life, carries the boy back down to his mama. Elijah is a bad dude. He then went on to kill 450, called fire out of heaven, killed 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, this dude is bad. You would think that he's got everything going for him. But then, he gets a word, Jezebel. Elijah, you're going to die this time tomorrow. It's a bad dude, man. Y'all just heard what all he done. This dude's bad. He don't play. But he gets a threat. Fear, Brother Joel. Fear. Fear got him. Only thing he could think about that time was, man, I'm going to die this time tomorrow. And the only thing he knew to do was get away from there. Has anybody in this room ever been, or has anybody in this room ever got bad news? I have. There's a lot of people in here that has had miracles happen in their lives shortly after bad news. There's a lot of times in our life we never thought we could make it to find out we could make it because somebody prayed for us. Somebody jumped down and dug a ditch for us, and God filled it. He said, if you'll dig it, I'll fill it. That's just the bottom line. If you'll build it, I'll fill it. Don't worry about building. Don't worry about filling. Don't just, you just do the work. You just do the work. So it brings us to this. Can't hardly see that far. But I'm going to do the best that I can do with what I got. I'm going to do it the way I know to do it, if that's okay. Uh, is this what it brought us to? But he himself, it's Elijah, right after he got the threat. But he himself, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. It's often said in some verses or scripture or, or Bibles, a juniper tree into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed. Now, y'all listen to this brother. This is a powerful, powerful prophet of God. And he says this right here. And he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, Lord. Take my life. For I am no better than my father. That's some powerful stuff. Think about it. He's in a place in his life where he just, there's no need me anymore. Let me die. I've been there. I've got sons over there that have seen me there. I've got wives that have seen me there. I've cried out to my wife. said, I just want to die. I've cried out to my sons. I've had one lay side by side with me in a bed with a 10-gauge shotgun beside me. He said, what are you doing with this thing? I said, I don't want to live anymore. I've been there. I've been under the juniper bush. Think about this, fellas. That's a very, very tough story in the Bible. This is God preparing his brother for that fiery chariot ride to heaven. He was one of two that did not witness a physical death. This is one of the two that God took away from here. It's powerful stuff. So this is what he said. You go to the next verse. 
5. Then, as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. I've experienced that also. I've experienced that also. Then he lay under and then he looked. Let's go back to five. Go back to five. Then he lay and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Now, I don't know about many of you, but I've had so many angels that I've encountered in my life. And I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever been that angel? Have you ever been that angel? Have you ever went to somebody that you didn't feel like you should go to and look at them and say, hey, get up. God's got something for you. No, I just want to die at this point in my life. So I'm telling you right now. There's two sides of this story. Some say that was Jesus. We're told to be like Jesus, right? We're told to be like Jesus. He is the example that we should live by. He is the one man, God's son, that was sent to this earth in a sinful world, not a sinless world, not Adam. This is Jesus. Adam came into a sinless world, perfect. Jesus was born into a sinful world, wicked. So God sent his son into a wicked world to live amongst us without sin. No. I'm fixing to talk about it. Be an angel. Be an angel. Bless somebody. If God has given it to you, why shouldn't you give it to somebody else? Friend of mine, family, you wouldn't believe the stories that I got to tell. The song said it a while ago. The goodness of God. God has already positioned around you people that can help you get through anything. God has already positioned around you people that's out there digging these ditches and throwing them out. Said, Bubba, you good, man. Just, just get in here with me when you can because, hey, I got you back. Be an angel. Be an angel. So then he goes on to say, arise and eat. Number six. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals in a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. So this brother got up, experienced, I got about 20 minutes, don't I? Is that all I got? Lord, I'm going to try to get through this as fast as I can. So here we go. Brother Randy, you know it takes me a while sometimes, man. If y'all need to leave, just leave. Hey, Waffle House, our trend ain't there right now. Uh, Brother Mark, you all right? Man, we're good? Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, and the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, and he ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days. And 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. As far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And if y'all follow that story, he went on to hear the voice of God. 
God's preparing him. If you went on and read the story, this is where, after God had spoke to him, he said, you know, I was the only one that didn't buy. God said, no, you wasn't, brother. He said, I've already prepared 7,000. So a lot of times in our life, we think we're the only one going through the things that we go through, right? Come on, church. And we ain't perfect. We've all been there. Understand that he just was fed by ravens, prepared. He was fed by a widow woman that had no food left. And then he was fed by God, an angel. Look back on your life and see what God has done in your life. And you'll realize that God has never left you. Never. He'll always been there. He maketh us to lie down in green pastures. Praise God. The second portion of scripture that I want to read begins in Matthew 3, 16. In church, believing, belonging, and becoming. Church is very important. We must be loyal to God. There's a book that's got 66 books in it, the Holy Bible. And it is a handbook on life on how to walk through life, how to get through life, what to do, what not to do, how to do it, when to do it, how to pray. This is our instruction. So you pull up Matthew 3, if you would, in the Bible, and you'll read with me, if I can get there. Now this is Jesus, and I just spoke on Elijah. Has God prepared him to do all the things that he done? Y'all, he went on and done mighty things. He went on and left his cloak for Elisha. Powerful story. Elisha said, brother, I just don't want one portion, I want two portions. That's how powerful this brother was. But now we're at Jesus. This is how God prepares us. This is how God prepared him for the cross. This is how God prepared him for the ministry that he was about to embark on. Now you listen to what I'm saying. He was 33 years old around that time when he got baptized. So it's a serious business. You would think after he saved us, or you would think after he got baptized, he'd run the streets wild and tell everybody what was going on, how many people he was going to save, because he knew what the future held. None of us do, right? So Jesus can see what's coming. He already knew the cross was ahead of him. Unfortunately, as people, men of God, women of God, we don't know what's out ahead of us. But we must have the faith to know that he's going to get us through everything. Everything. Faith. Substance of things hoped for. Evidence of things that have not yet been seen. So this is faith. So Jesus knew when he got baptized by a man that said, I'm not even worthy to tote his sandals. It's serious business. So here comes a man that John had the privilege to baptize. And this is powerful. 
Already knowing before he ever got dipped in the water, but this is part of the process. We must be baptized. And Brother Lot said it best when he said it the other day. He said, y'all can try to figure this out the best you can. He said, that doing this and doing that, doing it, I don't know. But all I know is there's times when I'm at the hospital when they're hooked up to many machines and they're trying to find God and there's no way to get them to a pool or tub or whatever it is. I'm going to do what I know to do and I'm going to trust God's going to do the rest. Come on, fellas, let's be obedient to what God's asked us to do. Don't try to overthink anything. Don't say yours is better than mine, mine's better than yours. This is Jesus Christ. This is the cross. So here he is in a moment of his life. He's got down with John, and I'm going to read. I'm going to read 3 and 16. And this is what he said. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. The Bible tells us that he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So we know the story. This is the first time that the Trinity was ever seen in the Bible. This is God in the form of a dove. This is Jesus. Oh, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. This is God speaking. And this is Jesus. So we got three right there. And this is what he went on to say. And I'm asking you again, church. Brother Lot, Brother Lot has been speaking on the harvest. This is the year of harvest. Are you ready to go to work? Are you ready to dig the ditches? Are you ready to humble yourself enough to do what you don't feel like you can? I hear, man, that's just not what I do. Well, have you ever tried it? Have you ever tried it? So this is where I'm going, fellas, ladies, gentlemen, church. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him and he said the first time he was tempted, this is what he said. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now you would think, you would think, church, that when Jesus began his ministry, that he would take off. But he didn't. This brother went fast. Why? Because he had one goal in mind. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to make the blind to see. And if you don't think this takes things from you, it does. I'm going to deal with the demon possessed. How often do you see people that say, oh, man, they, they ain't got a chance. Well, yes, they do have a chance. The Bible tells us to bear ye one another's burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens. I can ask the brother right there to finish that up for me, but I can't. Well, I'm telling you, if you don't allow people to get next to you 
and draw out of you what God has given you. And in return, you'll receive a blessing that God's going to put on you that's unbelievable. If you've been through something, you're an overcomer. Anything. The Bible says we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So everybody in here has got something that they've gotten through in their life so that they can help the next person get through it. So this is Jesus. As soon as he gets baptized, he didn't take off running. He said, I'm fixing to have to go pray. So let me ask you, church, are you fasting? Are you fasting? I hear people all the time and say, well, you know, I fasted for four days. Okay. Really? No, I don't do that because it's not my right to ask anybody anything. Man, I went fasting. Okay. The Bible instructs us when you pray and when you fast. So if you're dealing with something in your life right now, and he says, hey, if there's something that prayer's not working with, you better fast. But let me tell you about fasting. When you give up that one thing you think you've got to have every day in your life, Food, water. Just say lunchtime, 12 to 1, right? When you push that plate to the side, you pick up this food. Praise God. And for that hour that you typically would give your physical body food, you say, okay, God, I'm going to put aside this physical food and I'm going to pick up your word, because you tell me that you are the bread of life, and I'm fixing to fast. So every time you give up something for God through fast, and you replace that with God's word, so you can be filled with his spirit, and you'll realize he'll give you everything that you need to face life's challenges. Am I right? So here we go with life, fellas. So you ask me. I say, Bubba, what do I do to prepare? Got 10 minutes. What do I do to prepare? What do I do to prepare? How do I go about this? Well, it's going to hurt some of you. It's going to hurt some of you. Well, before I tell you what you got to do, I'm going to ask you again, are you doing all that you know to do? Serious question. Are you doing all that you know to do? You listen, fellas, ladies and gentlemen, church. Be consistent. Be consistent. Are you consistent? Or are you looking for every reason not to? Are you consistent? A lot of things going on. Football. Facebook. I can only believe Elijah when he got under that juniper bush that he started watching the news. Think about it. I can only believe Elijah if it was this time he's under that juniper bush and he's reading Facebook. Think about it. Be consistent. Determine to be faithful. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to church. Be faithful to family, wife. Be faithful to work. Just be a good steward of everything God's allowed you to be a part of. Give it all you got. Be consistent in prayer. Be consistent in devotion and be consistent in Bible reading. Number two. Do it anyway. This one hurts. Do it anyway. You wake up. 
Well, God, you know I've been reading all these past 14 days, and today's 15th. I think I need a day off, do you? I'm asking you. Give me 10 minutes. Start your day out with me. The Bible tells us to consume ourselves in it, meditate on it both day and night. Church, I know I'm being hard, but I'm just telling you the truth. Brother Lott said, like an evangelist, like an evangelist, tell the truth. What do we got to do? Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Don't talk yourself out of anything or any blessing that God has in store for you. 40 days, 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is in that wilderness. And can you imagine? I get hungry after one. After two, I don't know. After three, I'm looking for something. After four, I think I'm dying. Seven days, man, y'all better, it's time to go to the upper room. Just telling you, fellas. Telling you, church. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Elijah went on and told a story about sending his servant out to look for the cloud, look for the rain, and it was seven times, and finally on the seventh time, when that servant came back to Elijah and said, I seen a cloud about the size of a man's hand. That's all you need to know is it's on the way. God promises you victory. You hear me? It's what he says. Number three, find a mentor. I can look across this church right now and say I got a bunch of them. And I love them. Seven men went with me, or, or I was number seven. We went to the home of grace and done a revival. We done seven, part of seven services. We done six. We done six services in two days. It was a part of another. And let me tell you something. We walked into a place where there was a bunch of hopeless men. A bunch of hopeless men. But I'm in there with a, with a carpenter, we're a mechanic. We're a retired businessman, uh, we're a preacher, uh, a farmer. Uh, I mean, it was multidimensional. But when we left from there, they said, please don't go. Y'all have brought something in here that we have not yet seen. Please, if you would, come back. We can only come when they let us come, brother. But I'm telling you right now, if you want to keep this feeling going, it's up to you to do it. Because we're no greater than you are. We're all the same. And when I look at you, I see me. Because that was once in our life that we were hopeless too. Find a mentor. It's important that we have people. Find someone who will mentor you to encourage you. Someone who you can have a deep conversation with about God and faith. All I can think about is all the ones in the Bible that linked up with people. Jesus and Peter. Saul and David. Nathan and David. I'm talking about serious people in the Bible. Peter and John. I mean, it's just, they needed people. Jesus sent them out two by two. He didn't send them out one by one because he knew they'd get chewed up. Link up with somebody. Brother Lott always said it, and I heard it at a men's conference in Memphis. Right, Brother John? Memphis we went, and this preacher said it this way. He said, you, you look around. The five closest men that you're around, you should be stuck in the middle of them. Because you should always have two that you're following and that you know is after God's heart. You know that they're on the road to Cal. They're headed that way. And you ought to always have two behind you that want to be like you. I'm so blessed to have a lot more than that. 
And let me tell you something. If I'm following a man, I know that man loves God. If I find myself in a position where I see a man that's arrogant, exalted, I don't want to be around him. Because there's nothing that you got that's yours, it's all God's. Find positive thinkers. Surround yourself with like-minded people. Surround yourself with people that have a solution in mind. But Chip, your solution man. You go to the go to the job, he's a plumber. Plumbing stopped up. He don't cry about the plumbing being stopped up. He starts instantly looking for a solution on how to get it unstopped. Solution. Anything that you encounter in life has a solution. Why do you go about life and you're around people saying, I don't know if I can? Yes, you can. I don't know if I will. Yes, you will. You can dig the ditches. Here we go, folks. I'm, I'm closing just right here in a second. Inspire others. Church, in that trip to the home of grace that we went on, this is how it went. We had a young man come to us and said, I want to know how y'all can disciple me. It's a good feeling, ain't it, Brother Mark? I want to know how y'all can disciple me. Now, this is a man that had been in church for a long time that had just slipped off the wagon and found himself in a tight spot. And he looked at us, the group, and he said, I want to know how y'all can disciple me. I will move, whether he does or not, we don't know. I will move, I will get involved in the church, and I will do this, do that, but I need to be around people like y'all. Well, that's us. Be an inspiration to somebody. Fellas, as I close, church, as I close, I want to close with 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 7. Let me find in my Bible because I can't see the numbers up there. I'm sorry. You, therefore, my son, this portion of Scripture mentions three different groups of people. It mentions athletes. It mentions soldiers. And it mentions farmers. Now you listen to what Paul says for people like us. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ, Jesus. What's next? And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, so I've said this amongst many people, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Next. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier. When a soldier encounters battles, you endure it. You, therefore, must do hard, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Next. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. You can't pay attention on what the world's got out there. You keep your The Bible says the steps of a righteous man is ordered by the Lord. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier, Jesus Christ. Next. And also, if anyone competes in athletes, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Why are we out here trying to bend rules? 
And God tells us everything we need to know. Don't do it. Be consistent. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Next. And this is what he says. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And that's it. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Church, as I close the day, and I think I'm right on time, I want you to know that sometimes it feels hard, like it's hard work to give God all you got. But I want to tell you this, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I've been saved for six years. And it's unbelievable at all the doors that God has opened for me. Do I take credit for anything? No, I don't take credit for nothing because I know God's allowed me to be a part of stuff that I, I can't even talk about. And I've actually been able, I've forgotten more stuff than I've done. All I want to do is know what he's got next for me. I'm consistent. You get involved in all the things that you can get involved in. You, you get involved in the Sunday schools. But I want to close with this right here. Don't worry about filling the ditches. You worry about digging the ditches. God will do the filling if you'll do the digging. The harvest is coming. Don't worry about filling the church. God will do the filling. You do the building. You get the hammer and you get the nails and you get the saws and you do all this stuff. Obviously, you've seen what Brother Lot's done over all these years. Consistency. Prayer. Obedience. So many things. And I want to tell you something. All Seasons Church. You do the planting. God does the increasing. So you look around at the church that grew from six or eight or nine or whatever Brother Lot says. I don't know, but I believe every word he says. It was when I first went to that church on Bank Street, it was little. But I'm telling you, I don't know how many is in here, but I think it's a bunch. It's more than 60. More than a hundred, I imagine. Not in here right now, but both services. You do the work, and God will handle the rest. There's a great harvest out here, and this year is the year of harvest. So church, I want to tell you something. I want to thank all of y'all for this great opportunity to come out here and share this word of God that he's given me to share with you today. And you remember, Elijah at one time in his life didn't know what God had prepared for him. But through his faithfulness, even through wanting to die, he left him here in a fire chariot. He never experienced a physical death. And his son Jesus did. But you think about Jesus. God will supply you of the food that you need to get through what you're going through. And you think about Jesus those 40 days and those 40 nights and the things that he went through his mind. The Bible mentions three times he was tempted. But I'm believing in Bubba's spirit that that was probably every day it was going on. I imagine that devil was right there all the time lying to him about things. But I tell you, what, the Bible says, your word I've hidden in my heart, therefore I may not sin against you. That's what the Bible says. So Bubba, what do you mean by that? 
It's important to read Scripture. Hide it in your, don't memorize it. Read it, chew on it, swallow it, use it. You hide it in your heart so that when the tempter shows up in front of you, rather than in your own way, say what you think you ought to say, you have Scripture say, greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. You say all things work together for the good to those who love them. Don't be conformed by the ways of the world, yet be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So these are the things that he allows you to use. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So church, thank you again for this great opportunity. And if you don't mind, if you would stand and we'll close the service with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just want to thank you for this great opportunity, God, that you've given me to stand on a stage that is so powerful, God, that, that I can't even explain or even understand. God, as I walked into this church building today, I felt your presence. And as the praise team began to sing, God, it was just so powerful. Your goodness, God, your grace and your mercy, God, you love us and you love us all the same. God, I ask that you just continue to be with this church. God, as we go through this great harvest that you have laid out for us, put us to work. Put us to work, God. We're your footmen. We're your laborers. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the workers are few. God, I just want to be one of the few. God, I want to be a soldier. God, we love you. And I ask God that you go with us the rest of this week. God, get us back here on Wednesday so that we can be filled up again by your great word to encourage us to get through the next day. God, we love you. And we ask all these mighty things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All seasons, I love you. And you go and give the devil fits.